You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church Road and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here is Pastor Bob with this week's sermon. Good question, isn't it? Um, where'd Jared go? There you are. Thank you so much for leading this morning. Um, Jared and his wife were down because um, he was leading some worship at 320 last night for, for their fundraising banquet and stayed over to, to help us in worship this morning. So I, I appreciate you making the trip. And your trip was an hour this morning, right? You can make it longer if you need to. If you need to exaggerate, just a little bit. His was an hour. How long was yours? Just checking. Um, I appreciate you guys making the trip over and is sure, sure glad you're here. Um, it is good to be here this morning. I hope you're glad to be here. Uh, last week we had metamorphosis and, and um, you couldn't see outside, but you could see inside. And it was, even that was different because the whole front was filled with students. They were all over the place. And if you had been here Friday and Saturday, you would have seen them all over the place, all over the place. So not just in here, but all around the building. And uh, it, it was tremendous. And then Algernon spoke last Sunday morning in addition to speaking to our students. Uh, he spoke last Sunday morning and kind of brought it. Um, I, I want to say there, there were some things that he said Friday and Saturday, and I was like, oh, if he says that Sunday, this is going to be interesting. And um, so he, he got on the edge, and, uh, but I was glad. He is a brother in Christ, and, and it wasn't that he was going to say anything weird. It would just be abnormal for us. And so, um, but Algernon spoke great, and I, we'll talk a little bit more about how all that went down by the, through the, the rest of this message. So, um, but it is, it is certainly fun, and, and I'm glad to be here. And, and my prayer is that as we start looking at this scripture passage this morning out of 3 John, that we will get challenged about where we're at and who we are. Uh, you saw the video about, you know, we, we live in this, this world and for our lives, actually, it, where we, we live a part of our lives. And if we come to know Christ, then things supposed, are supposed to change and it should be different from that point on should be change that takes place if we've given our life to Christ. And so we write a story much like you saw in the video where I was this, I was this, and I was that, and now I am this. I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm bought by the blood, I belong to Christ, I am a fellow heir with Christ. All those kind of things. And so I, I know that you have name tags this morning and you were supposed to write your name. I saw one question mark right? One question mark, because he's not sure, but we'll talk later. Some little counseling. Check with your parents. Okay, so that, that would be one thing, but I, I don't know if you wrote down your true name. I mean, if I were to write it out, obviously you can see that, because I got the big fat marker in my office and wrote Bob, and so it's real easy. It's, if, if, well, I didn't do it in all caps, but if you do it in all caps, you can do it backwards, forwards, upside down. It doesn't matter. So, so I, I wrote that, but if I, if I did my proper name, it'd be Robert, and then a, a middle name. We won't talk about that just yet, uh, but it could be that. But you may have written your name, and you go, well, I don't want to be that name. Well, of course, we've, we've all kind of grown up. It, well, some of us are still working on it. Some of us don't know, but, but we've grown up with maybe some nicknames. Anybody have a nickname? 
You go, I don't want to tell you my nickname. I'm, yeah, I had, I had nicknames. I'm going to tell you some of my nicknames. Um, and I want you to be very careful in the use of them. Okay, so, so this, is, this is the vulnerable part of this. Because um, when I share these nicknames, it's going to be one of those, oh, my. And, I, and I'm not telling you all of them. Because I'm not being that vulnerable. Um, but uh, but there were, there's a couple. One of them was Sip, and that's a pretty easy one. Take my last name, shorten it, and it was real easy to yell that um, from across a field or something. But, but then I picked up some other ones for various reasons. Um, one of them was Slow Bob. There's all kinds of different reasons for that one. Part of it had to do with running. Part of it was some other stuff. So, but Slow Bob was one of them. And then Bob Robert... I've got that one, and, and there's, some, there's some people that still call me that. Uh, it's mostly students that used to be in, in my student ministry that are now adults and figure it's okay to, to call me by a nickname at this point in, instead of something real official or, or proper or nice. And so Bob Robert is one of them. And then um, I had a job when I was in college. And uh, it was a job where I didn't know anything when I went to the job. I just walked in because somebody said, you ought to go try this out. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I went and I got a job and I walked in. I was telling Jen this story the other day. I walked in and they started saying, do this and, and do this. And so over the course of a couple of months, it, because it was always Bobby do this and Bobby do that, it'd be just, it, my name just became Bobby Do. And so that's how I was known for the, I think, seven, eight years that I was at that job. You know, if you went, where's Bobby do? He's it's over there. You know, so that became my, my nickname. But we have, we all have nicknames. And we, some of them we may want to say out loud, some of them maybe not. And if we were to write down on our name tags our nicknames or, or those things that characterized us, this, would, this may look completely different. So you may be like me. I've, 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 well, I have this one from Brad. We'll leave that one right there because I'm going to save that one. Um, but Brad gave me a, a, a one this morning. But I, I've also brought several others up here blank just in case I wanted to change it. If I, if I didn't want to be Bob anymore, and I said, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. I want to be somebody else. I want to be something else. Then I've got a name tag and I can change it. For us, the, the question is, what does God want us to be? If God were to fill in your name tag, what would he put there? What would he write in with a Sharpie or a marker? How bold would it be? Or would it be some light blue or, or pale yellow that could barely be seen? What would God write on your name tag if he were to write something? See, we live in a world where Although we have a proper name or, or maybe a nickname or another nickname that's not even connected with our name, we live in a world of kind of Facebook, um, Instagram names where you, you make it look really, really good on the outside. We kind of Photoshop ourselves into social media or into what we want people to see. We do that in church. We come into church, we put on something pretty nice, a little bit, maybe a little different than we do in, in the work week, maybe not, but we come in, and if nothing else, our lives seem to be in order when we walk through the doors of the church. 
Walk into Sunday school. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Everything's great. And on the inside, things are falling apart, all broken, messed up, and we need a touch of God, but we're not willing and, and on, honest enough to put that out for those in our class or in our worship or somewhere else where we go on Sunday morning. We put on a mask, if you will, a different name tag for that particular Sunday because it's what we want people to understand we are, not actually who we are. And so when we look at this passage this morning, we have to understand we live in a world of Photoshop reality, but, but the, the real part of us, the real label, we're to take the real label and put it on. Who are we? We have to understand that that, how we see ourselves in light of God's word sets the trajectory for our lives. See, if I think and understand who I am in Christ, then I make decisions and move in a way that it says I belong to Christ. But if I'm not sure, they go, you know, I'm really nothing. There is no value to me then I'm not going to step out into somebody else's life down at Revolve on a Saturday morning and step into their lives that I know are messed up. I'm not going to step into that and say, let me help you find out what I don't have. We better get real with what goes on the name tag. And as we understand who we are in Christ, we move forward in that telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We first have to have our name tag figured out. So this morning, what does God want to write on your name tag? In 3 John, very short book. Go to Revel- If you don't know where it's at, go to Revelation, take a left. Okay? Rev- if you go backwards, it's Revelation, Jude, 3 John. Very short book. 15 verses to be exact, and we're not even going to cover all of them. We're going to cover part of them today and part of them next week in this series called Labels. And this is written by John. He's the the writer of the gospel, but at this point, he takes on a little different title because you remember in the gospels, he always says, the one that Jesus loved. Remember that? Or the other disciple. That's the way he's described as he runs to the tomb along with Peter, trying to get there first. He's that guy. But in this one, he says it a little bit different. He calls himself the elder. And he's writing this letter to a brother in Christ, Gaius, or a child in Christ, because he probably led him to Christ. And so John writes this letter to him, addressing certain things, and he's going to talk about Gaius' life and what kind of label is on him. And I I want to say that Gaius, in this particular passage, the way he's described, we have to say, this is a guy, he's an example of a church member worth following. So if we were to look out among you, and we were to change the label, could you write on your label, church member worth following? Could you write that? I've seen some license plates, some, some tags on cars that, or bumper stickers that follow me too, and would list the name of the church. So if we were to follow you, how would that work? Would you be comfortable with that? I, I want to tell you, to be honest, I don't have any stickers on my car. 
Because I figure I'm going to mess up. And I don't want people to get a weird idea of who God is by my driving. So it's a little bit dangerous. It's bold. But if you're going to put a bumper sticker on your car that says, I belong to God, and I'm representing Him, you better drive right. And so just, just mark that down. And so if... Um, So when John writes this, he's writing to this brother, child in Christ, and he's going to explain some stuff and encourage him in who he is. And so would you stand as we read 3 John, starting at verse 1. We're just going to read the first four verses, and then we'll get into this just a little bit more. says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the testimony of this believer, this church member who seem to be walking alongside you in your truth. We thank you for the one that led him to Christ and is sharing some wisdom and and trying to help him and encourage him in not only being a church member, but being somebody that represents you well. And so God, for us this morning, God, help us to understand who we are in Christ. Help us understand our responsibility and what the possibilities are. So, Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Speak loudly, or speak softly, but God, let us hear your voice beyond everything else. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Christ, that they may see you and what you did for them, for us, that you gave your life for us, You died on a cross for us. Willingly shed your blood and took on our sin so that we could be forgiven. And so God, we pray, I ask that you would speak this morning in a way that brings you honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The first part of 3 John is uh, is interesting and encouraging. The second part of 3 John has some issues. But John the elder is going to speak to this guy named Gaius. He goes he writes to him he says to the elder the elder to the beloved Gaius whom I love in truth and and when we look at that we have to understand that John is writing this out of love. And he's going to address some, some things that we may not want to address. In this first part, he just talks to this church member. And we don't really know the position of this church member. Except for on a given week, if we were to put it in our terms, he would come and he would sit on a pew or on a seat, and he would be there every single week. He may show up for Sunday school. He may even be there on Wednesday for the meal and Bible study. Some of you are going, just, not just a meal? Um, no, meal and Bible study. So, so he would show up 
And he would be that regular guy that you could count on. And so John's writing this as one who's a little bit older and wiser, but he's also intense. Because this book, this letter, goes along with 2 John, which is written to a lady, and and 1 John that is written to talk about certain things that you, so you will know that you believe in the name of God, so that you know that you have a relationship with Him. And so John writes this out of an intensity in what what to believe, but also a love that is passionate. And so John writes this. He says to the elder, to or the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So here's the question. If your physical health equaled your spiritual health, how healthy would you be? Hmm. Because that's kind of what John's asking or telling. I've heard it's going really well with your spiritual health. I pray that your physical health, health matches it. We kind of flip that. We say, well, I'd... I'd like my physical or my spiritual health to catch up with my physical health. It ought to be so good with your relationship with God that you want your physical health to catch up with your spiritual health because that is the more important of the two. When we think the more important of the two is the physical part, we've missed out on what God's telling us. Remember, Paul talked about it. If I if I take care of my body, if I if I beat my body into submission or I exercise or whatever. If I do all that, but I forget what it means to belong to God, then I've forgotten what it means to have the importance of God in my life. I've replaced. So I want to be real careful with that because when John writes this to this church member, he says, I want your your physical health to match your spiritual health, and I heard it's going great. And I would say the same for you. I hope that your spiritual health is going great. That it's not lacking. It's not falling behind. He was walking in the truth. You say, well, what does that mean? If we go back to 1 John, it kind of gives us a little explanation. 1 John, when he writes that, he's writing about basically three things through that book. And when you read the book, you understand it. He just kind of goes in circles. He, He kind of makes a circle. Then he makes another circle. Then he makes another circle. Then he goes back and does it again. And the three ideas in 1 John are a right view of Christ. Does the person understand who Jesus is? Because the argument was Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Or or what Jesus is is different than what you think he is. And, And what John's saying is you better have a right view of who Jesus is. Understand he was the son of God. That he existed eternally past. And he was part of creation. He was that word that was there in Genesis 1. And that that he came in the form of a baby by by a virgin, lived a sinless life, and then went to a cross, a cross that he didn't deserve, and he shed his blood for us and took on our sin so that we could be forgiven and was put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he was raised out of that tomb. He was not there. His body was alive. He was alive. And then a short time later, ascended to heaven and is coming back. That is the Jesus that John's talking about. 
That's part of that truth. The second part of that is is an understanding of obedience that you will keep my commandments. So John says, believe rightly and then start obeying what God commands. Then the third part of what he writes in 1 John is that we would love others. And he uses the word we ought to love one another. Because God is love. It's a characteristic of God that ought to characterize his children as well. And so when John writes to this this beloved child, Gaius, he's writing, he says, you are in the truth. I understand you're in the truth. You're walking in the truth. For I rejoice greatly when brothers, other, came and testified to your truth. Indeed, you are walking in the truth. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I want to tell you that as as a pastor, and I would say this for Curry or Scott or or Wayne and and Jared, where you're at in South Carolina, all of us who, who may do this vocationally, when we hear of a church member doing what they are supposed to do in the place where they're at, we rejoice. We kind of do a little hallelujah. Now, we don't, we don't dance like the video, on the video. We're doing that. But we rejoice that, that we hear about you doing what God has called you to do just where you're at. Chris and Kathy, they, they go out on a boat. That's got to be, that's a cool ministry. Depends on the heat, I guess. But that is cool, to be able to go out on a boat, to take children or adults and teach them what it means to kneeboard or wakeboard or, or I don't know, ski, whatever it is, but also teach them that you can have fun doing what God has put in your heart to do, but then fleshing it out in a way to do ministry. Because as they show them how to wakeboard, they will talk about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And so I commend you guys for what you do. You guys are awesome because you've listened to God and you've done what God has placed in your heart. And I would say that for you guys. What has God placed in your heart where you need to step out and have the same kind of testimony that Gaius has in 3 John? I see that you're walking in the truth. You have a belief about Jesus. You're obeying His commands and you're loving other people with a passion. And that is being fleshed out in your life, and I love to see it. That's where we ought to be. It's not perfection. You think, well, I can't do any of that. I can't drive a ski boat. I'm with you there. I drive a ski boat, I'll probably run over somebody. And it won't be good. That's not something I need to be in charge of. I don't need to be in charge. And, and I think the, the coolest two instruments, I mean, they just have the cool factor on them. It, Mike is bass. That's cool because you just got, you know, this it, is cool. And then sax. That's the other one. I mean, you can, you can rock sax. And it is, it is fun to watch that and just watch somebody doing what they've been called to do and doing it in the name of God and loving him through it. It is not about having it all figured out. Gaius, in this passage, doesn't have it all figured out, but God has placed in him something to do. 
still has to go back and say, God, what are you doing in my life that I need to get right? So if you're waiting for perfection before you start playing bass or playing sax or driving a boat or doing any of those other things, you're going to miss out because you will never arrive. Quit waiting on perfection because it's not happening. It's why 1 John 1, 9 was written. If we confess with our mouth or if we, if we confess before him our sin, then he cleanses us cleanses us and brings us into a right relationship with himself to recognize that God is at work in our lives. He's in the middle of renewing us and changing us. So don't wait on perfection. Jump in like Gaius and be a church member worth following. Walk in the truth. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.6 to be imitators of us but also be imitators of the Lord. That's where we need to be. So each of, as you look at this and look at the testimony of Gaius, the question is, have, has somebody next to you said, you ought to do that? Have you ever gotten the elbows in church? If you have a spouse and you sit next to your spouse on Sunday morning, I'll bet you've gotten elbows. I, I have. I'm up here. I get elbows after church. But maybe that's something that God is working out in your life and saying, you need to grow in that area. Flesh it out. Walk it out. And see what God does. God wants to do some very visible things in the life of His children. And so maybe tomorrow you wear a name tag that says saved. Maybe tomorrow you wear a name tag that says witness. Maybe tomorrow you wear a different type of name tag that if nothing else says beloved child because you belong to him in the truth and are willing to walk that. We think about giving our life to Christ when you have that word, those words beloved child written on your name tag. It's a big thing. Because first it means that you started to walk with Christ. But because none of us are perfect, it means that you get a chance to adjust it. You get to adjust the path a little bit according to God's Word. Deb and I were out recently when Becca was home. And um, we wanted to, she got some hiking shoes. We wanted to try them out. Becca always challenges us because she goes twice as fast as we do. And so we decided to go on this little hike. And we get down and We've been on hikes before, and usually the trees are fairly clearly marked. And so we're doing this hike, and we get down to this spot, and it's not marked. But according to the map, it looks like we should go straight. So we go straight. We end up under the power lines in this little swampy area. And so like all good parents wanting to protect our children, we sent Becca on up ahead. He said, you tell us what you find. So she, she goes up there, and, and she comes back, and she goes, well, I saw snakes, um, and I saw no path. Okay, let's turn around. So, so we went the other direction. And, and it wasn't that we went a really bad wrong direction. Is we just weren't on the path that we were supposed to be on. When we are a beloved child of Christ, in our imperfection, God will adjust us. 
and he will grow us. So I want you to be passionate about your life in Christ. That's my desire. I think that's God's desire. Just as John had this intense passion for Gaius and his walking in the truth, so it should be for us. So the first question for us this morning is, would we be willing to write on our name tag, beloved child? The second part of this is Gaius was a faithful encourager. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting when you look at this. It says in verse 5, he says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So what he's telling Gaius is, is, you know, this is what I've heard. Your testimony precedes you. And so Gaius had a great testimony. It was well among those that were in the church, but it was well on those that seemed to just pass through. The testimony had reached John and he labored in a fashion that, that built a trust. And so let me ask you, does the way you live your life on Monday through Friday match what you do on Sunday morning when you come in and put on the garb and walk into church? Does it match or is there a mismatch? Is there consistency? Can you say it's the same or is that a struggle? Because I, my, my bet is that there are places where you say, well, I'm not in church, so I can say this. Or I'm not in church, so I can do this. But at church, I would never want anybody to know that. We have to be very careful with the consistency of our walk with Christ. When, when Rita began work at the, here at the church as financial assistant, um, one of the things that we talked about and, and talked about it with Jen, and it's just kind of one of those things, is when you show up in a church office and you start working in there, it is not perfect. Because there are going to be days when I'm going to walk in and I'm going to have attitude because I got up on the wrong side of the bed or, or I put on two different colors socks or whatever it happens to be, I'm going to walk in and I am not going to be all together. In fact, that probably happens more often than not. And so you see a completely different side. You say, man, man, he's kind of a he's kind of a problem this morning, wasn't he? Somebody should have fed him some nice, nice cereal or something. You know, that's we live in that, but working to be consistent in our life with Christ helps our testimony. And it's and it's tough in a church office just like it's tough in any other job. There are things that irritate, things that bother, and, and things that are, that are problems. And, and I need as much grace as you do in living and fleshing out this, this walk with Christ. We're all in that spot. We're all a work in progress. None of us have arrived. And so when we look at this, we have to say, man, Gaze had a great testimony. It wasn't because he had figured it all out. It's just he was still a work in progress. And John was recognizing that in his life, that what he was doing was good, and it, it related 
to the testimony of Christ. The second thing is that he was trustworthy. He could be trusted. It says, I've seen faithful, faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, fellow Christ followers, strangers as they are who testified to your love before the church. And so they come in, they get treated well, they walk out and say, man, what a great group. Or what a great guy. He took care of us. It's, it's this passage, the way it reads is, as if you are God, this is how you send. That's what it says. And so when John writes this to this guy, he's talking about a cooperative effort in seeing folks that are naming the name of Christ, going out in the name of Christ, and supporting them. And so Gaius has a heart for hospitality, a heart for sending out leadership. Some of you have a great heart for that in this body. I know that we mentioned it briefly last week, but the, the Annie Armstrong offering, that, that one for North American missions that we kind of talked about for a while and saw videos and all that kind of stuff, there was over $21,000 given in that offering. Now, I don't know who gave what, but there's a gener generosity there that says we want to be fellow workers with those that are on the mission field in North, North America that are sharing Christ faithfully. And so it really doesn't matter the breakdown of the 21,000. What it matters is, is there is a congregation that loves and cares for those that are sharing Christ in places that we don't go every week. And so we become like Gaius uh, on the hospitality end. We've seen, loved, and we want to send out in a manner worthy of the Lord. The other part of that is last week during Metamorphosis, there was an offering taken on Saturday night, which was uh, a great offering because students and some adults. And that offering was right around $2,100. On Sunday morning, we took up another offering for Algernon and Awaken International. It was another $2,900, roughly. So $5,000, one half of a rescue, a rescue house for Awaken International was paid for last week. That's incredible. I didn't know Algernon. Scott knew him a little bit. You, if you were here, you may not have known him from anybody else that walked down the street, but you understood the testimony that he had and that the work he was doing. And so you thought, hey, I can give to this. I will be a fellow worker with him in rescuing women and children from sex slavery. That's an awesome thing. To have a heart of hospitality and a heart of wanting to do for somebody else that which you cannot do by yourself. It's a loving one another, as 1 John put it. And the idea here is that we ought to do that. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. The idea is that we would get under and lift up. That's the word. That's the picture there. And so our job is to get underneath to support, we ought to do that. It's not an option, it's an obligation, it's a debt that, to get underneath and support the work that is being done. And so we continue to do that. 
And so when you take a look at your life and you fill it in, you say, beloved child, can you also put, have a great testimony or trustworthy or reflector of God? Trusted? Can you put that on your name tag? Because if we're going to be like ASA, a church member worth following, then we have to have those characteristics about us. It starts with being in the truth. Our lives have to be characterized by being in the truth. The second thing is we have to have a testimony. Not just in the building, but outside the building. And we have to be trustworthy and be willing to invest in the work of Christ. So this morning, as we get ready to do a time of commitment, I want to ask you a couple of things. First, do you have a relationship with God through Christ? Have you ever accepted Christ into your life? Received forgiveness for sin and begun that journey? Have you ever done that? When there, has there been a time when you said, God, I want you to be in charge of my life? If not, then this morning I would encourage you, and it's going to sound strange because if I say come forward, you may not know what that means, but it means you step out of the seat, you're, out of the pew, the, the row of seats that you're in, and you walk down to the front, and Pastor Curry will be here, Pastor Scott, he's right there, but he may be down here, but we'll be up front. And there are others that would be willing to talk to you about your relationship with God. And I would invite you to step out, walk to the front of the church. And I know it's scary. I know it seems like a long walk. But it's a big commitment and it's worth making the step for. So I would encourage you to to come to the front and say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior this morning. You may be in in this place today and you say, well, my testimony is bruised. It's injured. It's, it's kind of black and blue, and, and I don't really know what to do with it. Well, maybe you need to come to the front and treat this like an altar and say, God, I want to bring myself to that altar again, and I want to lay myself out here for you to take control of my life and to restore my testimony. And I just need to come and pray. You may be in here as well and say, I've been considering church membership here, which just means you become part of the family on an official basis with all the responsibilities and all the privileges, which means you get to vote when we vote, but it mostly means that you have a responsibility to encourage and lift up those that are here as part of the family. And so you are making a commitment. Maybe you're in this place where you say, I want to be considered trustworthy. I want to become part of this group and and lay my life out here. And I want to give my life to, to serving others from this place. I want to be available to step out in ministry. Whether it be hosting a connect group or being part of a a Sunday school class, committing to choir, or being in our children or preschool area. I just want to be part of what God is doing here. And that first step for for some that aren't church members is to say, I want to become a member of this church. And guys, if I were to take these name tags and and change them and put all the things that I wanted to be and just started sticking them all over, 
and we could all do that, that they would say things like, I want to be faithful, and I want to be trustworthy, and I want to serve, and I want to minister. I want to be in the place where God wants me to be. I don't want to have a, a, a name tag on me that says, kick me. I want to have a name tag that says, I love Jesus. And for God to do that work in us means that some of us need to step out and do what God's called us to do and to be the people that God wants us to be, a church member worth following like Gaius who was addressed from a passionate John that says, I love you and I'm glad to see you walking in the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and for the encouragement of John to this church member who we don't read anything really special except for this passage where it says that you're walking in the truth and that is a big thing. And so God, I pray this morning as we have this time of commitment, this invitation that those who don't know Christ would say, I want to know Him. And I'm willing to take just those couple of steps and say, I need to know Christ. It may be that somebody's in here and and they want to come in the same manner and say, I I need to be restored in my relationship with God and, and I want somebody to pray with me or I want to come to the altar and just pray by myself. God, there may be even some in here that just say, I need to be part of this family, this church family, that I may proclaim your name as part of a body that loves you and wants to serve you in this community. So God, I pray that as you speak this morning, as you draw us to yourself, that you would do a work that is could only be characterized by saying God was at work in this place. Father, may it bless you. May it be a fragrant aroma to you as we worship during this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.